everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Through the Years podcast. I am your host, Anthony Bruno, and this past weekend, the NASCAR, Cup Series, Truck Series, and Xfinity Series were all at Circuit of the Americas, and this was the first weekend we got to see the removal of the cautions at the end of stages. Now, this was something that NASCAR was trying out at the road courses this season, in order to help with the flow of the racing and differentiation of strategy. And overall, it was an excellent choice to remove the cautions from the stages. And it saw differentiations in strategy, like expected, but it also allowed for a more natural feel towards races, and it was the first time since they implemented the stages in 2017 that we got to see a very natural and free-flowing Cup Series race where you had cautions, yes, but they felt more natural and the race felt more free-flowing. And it was really a welcome change considering we've had these stage cautions for several years now and I feel like it's something that they should look into doing at other tracks. Maybe only keep the stage cautions at things like super speedways. But I definitely think it's something they should look to broaden the horizon of and broaden the scope of. Now, normally when breaking these races down, I'd go in chronological order. Start with the truck and Xfinity series, head down to the cup series. But this time around, we're going to start with the cup series because... While it was an excellent race through and through, the end of the race was not really that great. And it has generated a lot of buzz on social media and with NASCAR, within NASCAR circles. As well as it's garnered attention from a lot of other fans that probably have not watched NASCAR before that were tuning in. Because of the likes of ringers such as Jensen Button, Jordan Taylor, Kimi Räikkönen, and Connor Daly. And the ending of the race really marred what was a fantastic road course race that was one built around strategy. Now, first and foremost, before we kind of get into the end of race shenanigans, I want to congratulate Tyler Reddick on his win basically dominated the um, race from start to finish and was able to even to bring it home even through the multiple overtimes and multiple restarts that he had to go through. Now, on the topic of those restarts and overtimes, it was chaos, it was a mess, and you had drivers basically using each other as their brakes going into turn one of Coda, and it honestly it was kind of seeing the bad side of modern NASCAR, and it brings to light a point made by Kyle Busch when speaking to the media in Atlanta, saying how drivers these days don't race with respect and don't respect each other out on the track, and they will do whatever it takes to win or to better themselves in their position and while it wasn't something that we really saw at Atlanta per se the multiple restarts that happened at 
circuited the Americas, proved Kyle Bush's point to AT. And for international viewers, heck, even NASCAR viewers and NASCAR fans, this is really a terrible look for the sport to have such a great race marred by a terrible display of racecraft, sportsmanship, etc., etc. And honestly, I think the governing body, NASCAR, needs to start clamping down on this a little bit more. They did say they were going to let the drivers police it amongst themselves, but clearly that kind of is not working. And whatever message is being said from one driver to another clearly isn't getting across. We had multiple drivers kind of complaining of how things ended and how things took place towards the end of the race with the likes of Ross Chastain, Ryan Priest, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, these guys coming out and saying that it was kind of like embarrassing and unacceptable with Ryan Priest going so far as saying, I was wrecked by hacks, which is a really profound statement for Ryan Priest to make. And you could see on overhead shots from the race and those final restarts in overtime that there were a lot of moves guys were making where you shouldn't be trying it, but they knew, okay, go in, hit the brakes, go in the, go in a deep, bump the guy in front, give myself some more space, slow my car down, use that contact to be able to facilitate a move. And it wasn't so much as just rubbings racing as much as it was using the guy in front of you as brakes. And that's when I feel like it goes too far because doing a little bit of having some physicality in the sport is and has been a part of NASCAR. But going to the point where you are kind of dumping guys in front of you, using cars in front of you as a means of slowing down as if it were a video game. It really is kind of tarnishing the reputation of the sport, and I've seen many NASCAR fans saying that this sort of thing is why NASCAR struggles to get the respect that it deserves amongst motorsporting circles, and to an extent that could be true, but... I also feel that this, well, while that statement may not be 100% true, it's not really false either. And and I think that, as I mentioned before, the governing body needs to kind of step in, look at it, and say, what can we do to fix this? We don't want to take the aggression away. But we don't want drivers overdoing it and just having no respect for each other out there at all either. So it's a really tricky tightrope for NASCAR to balance here. But it's something that they'll definitely need to look into moving forward. Away from how the race ended to how the race went, it was excellent. I think that... The removal of the cautions during the stages 
as I mentioned earlier, was very natural, created flea-flowing racing that we hadn't seen in several years. Before the stage breaks, these kinds of this is kind of kind of races were, and it was great to kind of get back to that. And I don't want to kind of sound like a bit of a boomer here, but I think the stage rate, the stage cautions and stuff, if you add that in with the conventional for cause cautions, I think it really just stagnates any flow and really chops the race up a lot, way too much. As I mentioned before, we had some really high-profile ringers in this race, and for the most part, they didn't do too bad. The highest finishing um, road course ringer was Jensen Button racing for Rickware Racing in the number 15 Ford, and he had some interesting comments after he got out of the car saying that it was very difficult for him, and he was suffering from heat exhaustion and almost really quit the race said he went through about almost nine bottles of water throughout the race and outside of whether or not this is a nascar thing that i feel like that's part of the challenge of racing in texas is the heat and couple that with the cup series car and the more enclosed nature of it it's definitely going to be part of the challenge to racing in a stock car. Up next, we have Jordan Taylor, IMSA, IMSA champion, covering for Chase Elliott, who is out with a broken leg. And he had a decent run, finished 24th, and probably would have finished a lot higher without the overtime carnage. But it was decent run for him and he said it was really shocking how physical the um the driving was he said some of the stuff that he saw out on track that if it had happened in the sports car scene guys would have been expelled from the race immediately so that really does say something and then the final two Kimi Raikkonen finishing 29th he ran as high as the top 10 but again probably got shuffled back during the multiple overtimes and probably would have finished higher without it. And then the final one, unfortunately, Connor Daly was forced to retire with a issue driving for the money team, which is unfortunate for him. Um, I think that's now two times that he's gone with the money team and they have not really given, given him um, a package in which to work with. So that's unfortunate for Connor Daly. Outside of that, looking at some of the regulars, there were some great runs to the field. And there are four particular ones I want to highlight. Firstly, highest finishing Penske driver in Austin Sindrick, who finished sixth. Great run from him. Chris Buescher bringing in some decent points for RFK with Keselowski's retirement, finishing eighth. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. continues his good run of form, finishing in seventh. And he's really kind of taken the momentum from winning the Daytona 500 and just kind of added on top of that with good finish after good finish. And then a uh, surprise top 10 for David Gilliland, who took advantage of all the carnage and multiple restarts, 
to get himself up into the top 10. Now, there were some not-so-good runs as well from the, from certain drivers. We'll start off with Bumble Wallish, who had a pretty big wreck going into turn 12. Seemed like it looked like a brake failure. Can't really tell. Couldn't really tell. We didn't really get much information on it. We did, he did say that he broke a toe link in the rear, and he had an oil line, an oil line failure. We don't know if that was the cause of the crash. Or a, um, we don't know if that was a cause of the crash or if that was a consequence of the crash. Either way, he was forced to retire and had some pretty scathing words about himself saying that he should, um, he should be replaced after what he calls two rookie mistakes in back-to-back weeks, um, that for someone that's been in the cup six years, it's been un- it's unacceptable. Um, next one, Brad Keselowski had a, suffered a drive track drive chaff problem with um, eleven to go, took him out of the running. And then the final one, this one this one kind of hurt. Jimmy Johnson didn't even get to finish a lap, was wrecked coming out of turn nineteen, and the damaged vehicle policy clock expired on Legacy Motor Club trying to get the car repaired, so Johnson was unable to continue. Now we move on to the Xfinity Series, which had probably the race of the weekend, if we're being honest here, and it was a more classic road course battle between two high-powered cars and drivers, seemed almost race long the battle between AJ Allmendinger and William Byron but AJ Allmendinger was able to come with the win with about eight tenths of a second lap gap to Byron and it was a cup driver sweep in the Xfinity series with Ty Gibbs rounding out what would be the podium coming home in third but he was about 12 seconds back from those two just goes to show you the level that both Almendinger and Byron were on throughout that race. And like I said, best race of the weekend had its natural had its natural cautions, but the free flowingness of it and the ability for strategy to come into play is what eminently allowed this race to be so good. And I really do hope that NASCAR takes a look at running races without the cautions at the end of stages and kind of considers that moving forward because what we saw, especially in the Xfinity series, was natural, free-flowing racing that was honestly amazing to see. Great runs here. There weren't many two guys out of place, but three run the three things I want to highlight is fourth place for Sammy Smith, who's continuing his good form. Junior Motorsports finally stopped getting in, in each other's way, with only one driver finishing outside the top ten, with and that would be Brandon Jones in eleventh. And Riley Herbst continues his top ten streak to start off the season. 
finishing up in 10th place. Now, to be done with NASCAR at Coda, we look ahead to their race at Richmond, the second short track race of the season. Probably be a better track for the new package. And we might be able to see what it's really truly capable of at Richmond. As opposed to Phoenix, which has always been a track that's been a lot more difficult to, to overtake. And we'll get to see if Hendrick Motorsports can keep their oval dominance up. Because Tyler Reddick's win at Kota this weekend, while in the scope of this season, was a little bit different. It's not too... Outside the box, if you look at the last two seasons with Tyler Reddick basically winning three out of the last, I think, three out of the last five races, going back to um, Indy last season. So we'll see if Hendrick can keep their dominance up heading into Richmond. Another thing coming up this weekend is Formula 1 and Formula 2 down in Australia. For Formula 2, will be their first time ever down under at Albert Park. And this is going to be a very interesting weekend for them because there is no blueprint. There is no understanding or there is nothing to look back on. Since it's their first time ever. So I'm going. I wonder what it's going to be like. And how the grid will shake up. Even though it's already a very close grid. And things are usually back and forth. From race to race. I feel like this might be. A driver's best early shot. At a shock win. And to put themselves in good position. For a good, uh, good championship finish. Later on down the line. Now, looking at Red Bull, it's another power circuit, so we may see some similar team positionings to Jeddah, although there is a little bit more downforce that might be needed, especially in Sector 3 at Albert Park. And we get to find out, can anybody really stop Red Bull at this point? Because it seemed as though... The last two races, they've been untouchable, and we need to see if anybody's up to the challenge to be able to close the gap to the Red Bull team and to Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez. With that being said, that is it for today's episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Catch you guys next week for the next episode. Take care and stay safe, everyone.